hello, hello. This is Baked and Bookish with your hosts, Maggie Boyer. And Savannah Cruz. We are so excited to have you here for the first episode of season one. Well, first real episode. I don't count our reading list, but we are really, really excited. Baked and Bookish was born out of the idea that we love listening to book podcasts, but I don't really drink. Not very often for me either. <laughs> so I just, you know, wanted a stoner podcast. I think that you really need one of those. So thank you for joining us on this adventure. I am so excited to start this journey with you. So why did we choose this book, Savannah? Well, what book did we choose first? I guess we should start there. So for the first episode of Baked and Bookish, we are going to be covering Twilight and New Moon. <laughs> by Stephanie Meyer. So why did we choose this horribly addictive book, Savannah? Well, if you look at our origin story, <laughs> we met reading Twilight fan fictions, right? We did. That's true. That's true. Same English class, got done with everything within 20 minutes of class starting, and would just sit there and read side-by-side -side fan fiction of Twilight. So it only felt right to start here on our podcast journey. I really think so. We also used to have these things called Twinites. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> the lore of the friendship. <laughs> And Twilights were born with the first weekend we hung out, um, which was six, seven years ago now. Oh, my gosh. Um, first weekend we hung out, we decided to watch all of the Twilight, and we took a sip of wine every time that Edward made his I'm gonna kill you face. And not to be confused with this constipated face. <laughs> Can vampires get constipated? Mm -hmm. He was giving me constipated vibes. That's fair. That's fair. And then we took a hit every time that Kristen Stewart, uh, Bella, she made her, what was it? That face? What is the, what, what do you describe that face as? There was typically a biting of the lip, I would say, a push of a hand through the hair. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I feel like that's Kristen Stewart's just signature thing. I feel like if it was really true to the book, it would have been like a really small, mousy smile. Oh, 100%. 100 yeah. percent but we'll get into the book versus the movie at some point i'm sure oh of course there's so much over <laughs> okay so first of all let's get into what weed pairing i picked for this book um a lot of times i hear like on other podcasts the wine pairing or you know the beer pairing so throughout this season we are going to be pairing different types and different methods of uh using cannabis so today because twilight is just the basic, the OG, we are just going to be hitting a bong. The OG way to smoke. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, as soon as I hit a bong, I stopped hitting, like, anything else. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That's how I knew I had made it. Okay, so who, who the heck is Stephanie Meyer? So, Stephanie Meyer graduated from Birmingham Young University with an English Lit degree, so she did have some schooling before writing this. I want to reiterate, because I was not sure. Oh, boy. I feel like I need a hit after hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> she lives in Arizona with her husband and three sons. And some people know that Twilight was started as a dream of Stephanie Meyer. She dreamed about chapter 13 of the book. 
which is like the meadow. It's a really weird scene to start with and part of like midway through the book. That's just okay. Okay, whatever. Right. Right. I had the exact same feeling. No judgment. No judgment. Twilight was released in 2005, inciting rave reviews, which we'll get into why I think that it became the pop cultural event that it did. It was a New York Times Editor's Choice winner, Publisher's Weekly Best Book of the Year winner, and the series has sold more than 250 million copies and has been translated into 37 languages. That is some widespread twi fandom yeah so like let's talk about what the heck twilight is about then what is captivating us all so much so twilight is the story of bella swan and bella swan is a child of uh renee and charlie swan well i don't know that that's her last name anymore but whatever they're divorced and nobody cares about renee yeah kind of shit mom so uh but um so bella lives in phoenix arizona with her mom and has always lived with her mom doesn't really like her living with her dad or going to her dad's rainy town of forks washington but her mom is in love and wants to travel so bella decides oh yeah i'm gonna go live with my dad and suffer um she's very um just gonna suffer and it's gonna be okay so bella goes to forks and she's trying to meet some new friends she's kind of weird but everybody's also like really infatuated with her i think she's super hot super new girl shiny toy whatever and then there's edward cullen and bella sees him and she's like "Ooh, who is this mystery man so edward cullen and the cullens live in forks washington and they are vampires so Edward and Bella fall in love with each other, but Edward at first really hates Bella because he's like, your blood smells good. I want to kill everyone just to taste your blood. But he doesn't. Why doesn't he? Because him and his family are vegetarians. So that's what they call themselves. They only drink animal blood. So he doesn't drink her blood and then eventually falls in love with her, sneaks into her bedroom a bunch um listens to her talk about her him and her sleep and eventually he's like completely in love with her and she's already like in love with him they start dating which pisses off some of his vampire family but really excites other parts of his vampire family including his sister and best friend alice they are best friends because they both have supernatural gifts other than being a vampire edward can read minds except for bella's and alice can see the future so anyway, they fall in love, blah, blah, blah. And then they are playing baseball and hanging out. And all of a sudden, the evil vampires enter. And three red-eyed bloodsuckers who drink human blood, they enter the field and they're like, ooh, Bella smells real good. And ooh, it's a real big challenge to get to Bella. So this one vampire, James, decides that he wants to hunt Bella, and so she runs away from Forks back to Arizona, makes some decisions. She decides to uh, leave her vampire bodyguards and fight this James guy herself and really just sacrifice herself. And it's all for naught, because the whole reason she went was to save her mother, who is not in care. And so then all of a sudden, Edward bursts in. He's like, yeah, like, I'm gonna... 
beat up James and tear him apart, and they defeat James, but not before James fights Bella, which means she's going to turn into a vampire. Edward decides that he doesn't want that, and so he sucks her blood until there is no venom left. She recovers in the hospital, and then they go to prom, and decides not to turn her into a vampire, though she desperately wants to be a vampire. So, uh, yeah, I feel like that's the whole book, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. That was commendable. Commendable. That was such a good summary. Uh, I have to do the next book, and I'm not sure that I want <laughs> to fall out. But I will do my best whenever we get there. <laughs> I was thinking about it this whole time. Wow, Meg is really good. <laughs> really good. Very observant. Well, I, I try. I feel like there was a lot more I could have covered because I know everything there is to know about Twilight. Truly, you do. Truly, you do. I decided to prep for this podcast by um, reading every single book in the Twilight universe, including, like, um, the gender swap uh, Twilight, uh, which was a really bad parody of Twilight, actually written by the author. But, um, yeah, so that's how I prepared for this. So I tried not to include all of the Twilight um, universe in that summary. Just the one book. Just the one book. Wow. It was really hard. I, I think you told the story better than Stephanie Meyer did. <laughs> uh, I feel like I know the story as well as Stephanie Meyer. Well, that that's undeniable. That is undeniable. I'm unfortunately obsessed with Twilight, guys. Um, it's my my special interest. My autistic ass is unfortunately obsessed with Twilight. So, hey, we all have something. Yeah. It's okay. So let's get into our thoughts on Twilight. Um, what do you think about Bella? I was so confused about the contradictory Bella scenario. Like Bella's walking into a new school. Bella's constantly talking about how plain she is and how boring she is and how drab. Truly, I'm bored listening to her describe how boring she is. But then everybody falls in love with her. So, doesn't have a good personality, doesn't have any hobbies, literally any hobbies at all. She reads. She's back on a hobby. I mean, we're kind of making a whole podcast on reading. That's true. But how much reading did she really do, do in the book? Like how, but I think it's because she became like really obsessed with her vampire boyfriend and gave up on all of her uh, hobbies, which is a whole nother issue in and of itself. I find it interesting that uh, she is a reader. And I hate to... <laughs> I really hate to claim her as our own. Who just would stop reading all of a sudden? Whenever you fell in love, did you just stop reading all the time? There's no way in hell. No, but I think, like, she has a really unhealthy relationship and... I feel like when I was in an unhealthy relationship, I kind of did. So, like, not in my current relationship, no. In fact, I read way too much. My poor partner is like, I have lost you to reading. Because healthy partnerships should encourage hobby. Yeah, and uh, this one, the Edward and Bella one, is uh, not that. So, right. I mean, honestly... Okay, this is a new moon thing, so we'll, we'll put a pet in that. Never mind. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard to keep them from, like, bunching together. Yeah. There's so many things to comment on. 
Well, one thing that I am really jealous of about Bella is her truck. I think that we all wanted that damn truck. Yes. I think all of us, literally everyone who was a teen in 2008, wanted Bella's truck. It really was so appealing. I literally... Mm. I want a werewolf to ride on my truck. (laughs) So we talked a little bit about this, about like the movie Bella versus book Bella, but let's talk about how Bella always constantly, I think Stephanie Meyer does a terrible job with like making any sort of variation in her statements because all Bella does, she never speaks to Edward or anyone really. She just smiles. She's just like gonna smile as a response. But it's literally every time the same phrasing and the same with Edward. Every time that Bella describes Edward, she uses the word beautiful. There's never like I mean, occasionally she throws in another word, but beautiful is still in that sentence. She's like gorgeous, beautiful. And I'm like, why do you have to call Edward beautiful every single time you talk about him? Really driving at home. Really driving at home. Uh, Stephanie Myers never heard of a thesaurus. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, Stephanie Myers, please, please. Oh, I mean, there are some things I will give her on her writing because I learned this. I I also watched all the movies in the Twilight universe, including Destination Forks. Oh my god. Which is, if you don't know, the, like, one about the fandom and about the um, whole uh, town of Forks, Washington. The actual town. And apparently, Stephanie Myers did do her damn research. She didn't even go to the town until, like, writing Eclipse, I think it was. But, like, Jacob's house actually exists, the little red house, and it's, like, actually on where her theoretical treaty line was, like, how his house was in the book. And then she called the restaurant in Port Angeles. The actual Bella Italiana actually exists. And she called them and asked about their menu and got, like, what Bella would eat and, like, like got it from their menu. So, like, she tried to do her research, I guess. So that's the only thing I'll give her on her writing. Her actual writing is terrible, but her world building, and I think that's why we all fell in love with Twilight. I think it was the world building and, like, we did like the characters. Like, even though, like, they were poorly written, I think that, like, the idea of this story was good. And I think that's also why we were obsessed with Twilight fanfiction and why I'm still obsessed with Twilight fanfiction. I I, I can see that. I can see that. Yes. She did create a world that I was intrigued with. And I could read it while baked and understand the whole thing. There was no way I was missing a beat. <laughs> that's that's very true not everything that we read for this season could we read while stoned oh god there were some hard books to get through but uh twilight was not one of them twilight was not one of them so we kind of like talked about movie bella versus book bella but like what are some other differences i feel like they really like tried to take apart her intelligence and like made her really like not as smart as she was in the books 100 percent true 100 percent true and she wasn't funny both bella every once in a while would be really funny and kind of spunky you know and then you watch the movies and it's like it's giving dead fish it's giving dead fish that's it really is 
Oh my god. And, you know, I think that, like, we don't see the parentification of Bella as much either in the movies. Because, like, she literally, I mean, we see it a little bit, but, like, she literally cooks and cleans for Charlie, goes to the grocery store, and, like, she did it for her mom, and then as soon as she comes to Forks, she, like, slips right back into it with her dad, and, like, it's just, like, she's super parentified, and I think that we lose that in the movie. So I do think that, like, the books had some things that, like, again, we really liked the characters for, that the movies took out. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder none of the actors or actresses really love being known for Twilight. Um, like Robert Pattinson. Yeah, they all really hate Twilight. It's kind of funny. But let's talk about, like, the attempts to enemies to lovers. I think it's, like, that's the trope that she was going for with, like, the whole, Bella, I want your blood. And, like, I'm gonna murder a whole classroom to get to you and like i'm gonna have anger outbursts like they really tried to make him like this enemy of bella but then like i'm obsessed with you and i can't stay away so now we're lovers and i think it was really poorly done because it was like 0.2 seconds of eneminess and it was then never continued like i feel like there was no slow burn with the enemies to lovers portion and it just fell really weak to me yeah definitely and most of the time that they're enemies quote-unquote he's not even there (laughs) it's just bella ruminating for chapters about the empty seat next to her in biology like uh i don't know it it definitely could have been handled a lot better i think that maybe even i would have been wooed by the enemies to lovers had it had a little bit more tension there was just not enough tension well you love enemies to lovers and you don't even like romance and that's like your trope that's true that's true i think it's because it's not corny you know they're just being like real dicks to each other i love that (laughs) i love that you you hate Cordy, and that's why you hate Jacob. So let's well, that's not you don't hate Jacob, but let's hop. Let's talk Team Edward versus Team Jacob. You know what I'm gonna say, so like go ahead and do whatever you want to say about Team Edward and Jacob because I'm gonna totally take over. There we go. There we go. Okay. Well, I guess they're both the worst sometimes. <laughs> Early, early in the series, Jacob had it. I guess in Twilight, he doesn't really exist, though. You know, like, he's vaguely in the background. So everybody was kind of Team Edward after just the first book. But in the totality of the of the Twilight universe, I'm Team Alice. <laughs> I wanted a lesbian Romeo. So that would have been chef's kiss. Yeah, I'm going to have to find some fan fictions on that. Yeah. Between the two, I guess I would say Jacob. Uh, as I grow, uh, not for, for Bella, obviously, because that would be creepy, but uh, I'm, I'm Team Charlie. Uh, oh, yeah. You're Charlie, uh, for sure, for myself. But I... Oh, Jacob. <laughs> the poop gets me. <laughs> well, see, okay. So I have a theory on this, and I think it's that in Twilight and New Moon, everyone fell for Jacob. Like, I, you say that he wasn't existent, but, like, 
I feel like he, they talk about making mud pies. It, it's definitely the, the friends to lovers vibes are there. And, and I guess that's my, my thing is, uh, more friends to lovers. I mean, I also read a lot of enemies to lovers, but I don't mind the corn fest, which, which, you know, you had a date the other day and something really corny happened and it swooned you. So you say that you hate the corniness and that that's why you like the enemies to lovers, but, um, it feels different in real life versus reading it. That's all I have to say. When I read it, I'm like imagining it happening to me. And I don't want somebody who's a dick to me. I want somebody who's super sweet and reminiscing on our past. And like, who's fixing my car for me. And wheeling his dad and like carrying his dad around and like being all sweet and sunshiny. Not somebody who's brooding evil so my theory on it is that everybody after twilight and new moon was team jacob and because one he's better in those books than edward and because edward's a manipulative dick truth and two because he's hotter in the movies too (laughs) and so between those two factors everyone was team jacob i feel like actually i was like team edward i feel like as a kid but that's because i also like really fucked up mentality on love um and so but like a lot of people i think were team jacob and so uh i think stephanie myers was like oh fuck she was like like ah she's gonna end up with edward how do i fix this make it bad yeah so we see jacob devolve into a very manipulative dick as well who crosses some boundaries so i'm like pre-eclipse jake team jacob um because pre-eclipse jacob is just mm. but after that yeah team alice or team charlie like team if i'm team charlie i mean like oh she should listen to charlie and be single and then charlie should fuck me <laughs> hell yeah yeah basically um sorry to my fiance if he's listening to this uh He'll understand. I was going to say, this is mostly for the podcast. Mostly for the pod. Just speculation for the pod. Yeah, just like who in the books. If I, if I was in the book universe, then my fiancé wouldn't exist, right? Like, in theory. Truth. So. You don't have to justify it to me. I was down with it from the beginning. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's talk about, since we're talking about Edward being kind of a manipulative dick. Let's talk about his vampire temper tantrum. Oh my god. In the meadow, he's just like running around, grabbing shit, yelling. It's like, why? It's like, why does she... She came to you and she said, you're a vampire. And you're just gonna throw a little hissy fit because you're mad? And isn't this the scene you said that Stephanie Meyer dreamed about? I don't think that that's the one. I think the meadow is the one. Right? But isn't he throwing a hissy fit in the meadow? Yeah, I got around. Yeah, so like they, they travel to the meadow and they're sitting there in the meadow and she's like touching his skin in the sunlight and she triggers him and he just like freaks out and then he goes on a vampire temper tantrum because he can't control his thirst or his lust. Mm. It sucks being a shitty guy. <laughs> Yeah, so he takes it out on her and scares the shit out of her. I mean, like, she's pretty brave about it, honestly. 
Like, I think that's something else we don't give Bella is like, honestly, that's pretty damn brave. She wanted that dick so bad that she didn't care if she had to die for it. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, she literally says that, and we're about to talk about codependency. She says the words, you know how I feel about you. I would rather die than be without you, or something like that, is literally what she says to him when he's like, I love you. Bella needs a vibrator, and I will die on this hill. She, If she wasn't so horny, she would not be with this loser. <laughs> I have to leave that. I have to. Well, I mean, like, he asks her, like, oh, have you ever been with anybody or whatever? Well, like, let's talk about Edward's sexuality and potentially Bella's. Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, maybe, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, it makes codependency, okay? Because, like, sexuality has no bearing on, like, codependency-ness. Right. But right. we see that, like, Bella's, like, I've never liked anyone like this before and have lusted for anyone and edward is the same way and like we're talking about like oh bella needs a vibrator and stuff and like she's like never been with anybody and that was my whole thing is like why she should like hook up with jacob or just also a human being like pre-eclipse jacob pre uh, human jacob or you know not mike newt but just like a human anyone other than mike newton fuck that but she just needs to hook up with a human because like yeah she's horny but word has never really been horny before and it's been a hundred years on this earth yeah what are you doing what are you doing so do you think he's demisexual i mean gotta be right and remember at the beginning he thinks the bella's plain and is not attracted to bella just wants to fucking eat her yeah, I mean, like, he literally says that in um, Midnight Suns. If you guys haven't read the Edward perspective, he's like, I don't get why everybody's, like, interested in this new girl. She's, like, super plain. And, like, I'm like, god damn, that's how your boyfriend and soulmate vampire person thinks about you? Okay, cool. I had to get to know her first, and then she was hot, hot, hot. Yeah, I think that this whole book, like, yeah, preys on the hormones of teenage girls and the sexual tension that it wrought. Very, very true. It was a tease of a book. It really just went on and on, and we all were just there to see them fuck. That was, 13-year-old me was thirsty for that sex scene. I was thirsty for that sex scene. I bought all of those books. I was in line for all of those movies. Otherwise, how would they have hooked me? We're just preying on kids' hormones. That's all that this is. But, I mean, but like, honestly, it's not most media. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. It's not just, it's not just Twilight. It's true, but it could have been done better. It could have been done better. Speaking of ways it could have been done better, um, the terminology Stephanie Myers uses in this book. Oh my gosh. I want to hit her. You know, that's violent. But like, oh my god. I want to like, off. Oh. So she uses terms like Indians for the native people, um, which, oh. she also like kind of, you know, took their legends and ran with it and like talked about them and i mean the legends are actually real like the kuyute people like they actually do 
have legends about being descended from wolves and things. Um, but I still think that she like probably messed up parts of the legends one and two also just like profited massively off of them and probably didn't pay a cent. That's just mind blowing. And then she uses terms like Indian, right? Like this, right. I know it's 2005, 2008, whatever, but like, ah, that's so bad. And then she says things like, handicapped and disabled but like she says the way she says something she's like i'm so clumsy i could be disabled or something like that is so not okay yeah she did not do very much research in the sense i'm sure there was not a sensitivity reading is there is there a single black person in the book or movie i mean like oh i know that they don't like talk about race a ton but like i don't And I don't know the demographics of Forks, Washington. So, like, maybe there really aren't many Black people. But, like, I don't really feel like there was, like, any diversity. No, definitely not enough representation at all. Of any groups other than the, quote-unquote, Indian. Right. Yeah. So, um, yikes. I wonder why there hasn't been anybody commenting on that, like, from the tribes themselves, you know? I wonder. I mean, maybe there is. Maybe. Maybe. One can hope. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, the only thing I'll say is, like, oh, cool, like, tourism increased in Forks, Washington. So, like, maybe they benefited from that. But, like, that is nothing compared to, like, what Stephanie Myers has made on this series. And, um, yeah. So, other issues with her writing. Any, any you would like to voice other other issues? I know that we talked about (laughs) the point, like, the pacing of the book, right? Like, the pacing always seems to be such a, like, an issue for her. It's like she digresses so much in the beginning and sets up everything for so long. And then at the end, just throws in a little action and calls it a book. It's Okay, so we did the calculation. And it's not even that, like, oh, the main conflict doesn't start until 90% of the way through. That's one thing. Like 75, 90% of the way through. That that would be one thing. It's like, yeah, you, you pace it, you, you do exposition. But you don't even meet the villain until 90% of the way through Twilight. Like, meeting the villain. Like, you don't introduce the villain at all until 90% of the way through. Like, again, I get, like, not having, like, the whole, like, conflict before 90 percent, but like not even introducing james at all right right (laughs) there was like it was like she forgot what she was doing and she was like oh i need to wrap this up uh nothing big has really happened why don't i just introduce a new character and make them run for their lives and like books i read now like i'm still a slut for some romance in in Ocho. I mean, I still love some corny romance, but it needs to be surrounded by other things. This book feels like it's just like just the romance. Like rereading it this time, it's like there's no I mean you learn a little bit about vampire lore and things like that, and like the werewolves, but like it's not it, it's like some lore. It's not an actual like action y like anything is happening. Like it's literally just about their romance and like expanding the world. Right. Right. And it's not even a realistic romance. Like, <laughs> it's not 
not even like that good of a romance. Like it's very problematic on so many levels. Um, that. Oh, whoa. Um, and so like the conflict starts 90% of the way through and there was a super simple solution to the conflict. Like, such a simple solution. It's a simple solution. Or it could have just turned her into a vampire. We did talk about this. Yes. Yes, 100% should have. It could have been so fucking easy. And, like, James even talks about that, I think, like, in the book. We don't, like, get any of this in the movie that, but, like, in the books, we get Alice's origin story. And she was turned. To get away from James. So like why didn't Edward or Alice or Carlisle or like anyone just turn Bella? Or let her turn once James bit her. And then the rest of the books wouldn't have happened. Like it would have been so simple. Problem solved. Yeah. Like either like they could have turned her to like stop him hunting her or they could have just let her be turned. Right. Right. And did neither of those. It was gonna happen anyway. Okay, I didn't want to talk too much about other books, but we get we get into this a little bit. Uh, Midnight Suns is from Edward's perspective. He literally, from this point on, from when Bella gets bit, is like, I'm gonna break up with Bella. And so, like, the whole time he's in the hospital, he's like, I'll stay. Like, he's lying to her. He's such a manipulative dick. So, um, yeah, he could have just let her turn and then he would have saved himself the, like, self-flagellation and, like, just a whole bunch of other shit. And, yeah. Agreed. So, what do you think that your rating for the book is gonna be? Oh, God. I want it to be lower and I want it to be higher at the same time. Uh, Relatable. So, I'm going with a 2.5. Okay. Okay. I think I'm going to go 2 out of 5. It was a little syrupy sweet for me. Yeah. Um. Again, it's all Jacob. Even though he's only for a moment. It's all Jacob all the time. It's... And Charlie. Charlie, like, steals so much of this book. for As an adult, yes. Charlie, I was not bothered by Charlie. Like, I couldn't have been bothered to notice Charlie in my first reading of the book at 13. Good, I think. I think that it, there is some healthy aspect to that. Well, well, well. I don't want a 13-year-old to be attracted to the 35 to 45-year-old. That's true, but I should have given him at least a little credit for being a good father character. That's fair. But I think we all hated our parents at 13, so. Oh, my God. Um, I, I, I love you, Dad. <laughs> You're listening to this. That's so funny. Oh, my God. Do you think Dad will listen? You mean you told me to send him the link? No. <laughs> okay, okay. We're going to get to the next book. Okay, okay. I think that I'm doing the summary. You're doing the summary of New Moon, which I'm excited. This is going to be. Fun. I'm going to take a hit. Hold on. I'm going to do ASMR this hit real quick. Hell yeah. 
make a bad decision and do this before I say the summer. I think it'll make the summary all the better. The baby hit, it's okay. Queen of only taking baby hits. That's just the truth. I'm the king of cashing a whole bowl at once. You know, and there's one of us in each best friendship. It's important that we balance each other out. We found our match. I, I agree. Okay. Summary of New Moon. So as we're going into this book, Bella and Edward are so in love. They spent every night together. And he, like, stares at her while she sleeps. So cool. <laughs> then, Bella is... Not so stoked because it's her birthday and she's a year older than Edward. Even though he's a hundred years older. Yeah, even though he's a literal pedophile that's hanging out with her. But that's fine. That's fine. I guess. In Stephanie Meyer's world, that's fine. (laughs) I mean, she loves pedophilia, but I digress. Yeah, clearly. Clearly. Apparently that's all okay in this world. Shivers. But anyway, so Bella goes to this birthday party against her will, basically, which it's like Edward and Alice are like constantly manipulating her into doing crazy stuff. Yeah. So she's against, like, at this birthday party against her will, she's opening up presents, and this bitch just like slices her hand on a piece of paper. And she's like, oh, still me. In a room full of vampires. And Edward throws Bella. We'll talk about that later. But. He throws her into a wall and she gets cuts all over and Jasper is freaking out. Jasper's the brother that cannot control himself around blood, apparently. And because they have to whisk everybody out of there. They have to stitch Bella up and Edward's like ruminating like, this is all my fault that I have a clumsy ass girlfriend. (laughs) I gotta get out of here. I'm the worst person ever. So, of course, he took her into the woods and told her that he doesn't love her and doesn't want her to move with him. Of course, that's the next thing that you would do in that situation. That's not an overreaction at all. And just completely ghost Bella. Then, we're into the next scene, which is, in the movie, the most iconic scene of the entire franchise. There's a possibility. And everybody disassociates during that scene, okay? We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. So she's she's lost. It's it's something that she can't get over. She can't get over the fact that Edward has left her. And finally, she starts hanging out with her friends again, which it's like, come on. You probably should have been doing that the whole time. But okay. Okay. So she gets addicted to adrenaline at this point like she's hanging out with friends and trying to find ways to like almost kill herself so that she'll have hallucinations of her ex which haven't we all and at least she has hobbies now (laughs) shook i'm shook i am shook yes okay so she did find a hobby when she's trying to kill herself which honestly She's been low-key dedicated to since the first book. You're right. She does have a hobby, Max. (laughs) I did not even realize. So we're going to keep going. Uh, Bella is finally deciding to hang out with someone healthy for her. So she's hanging out with Jacob. But she initiates that by wanting to fix up motorcycles so that she can hallucinate her ex again. Apparently that's the only time that she has a good time. 
And Jacob and her end up developing a great friendship, kind of a friends to lovers thing in the background. Um, yep, what could have been they're charting out looking for Bella's special meadow because she wants to go and join Edward there one day in her, I don't know, what do you even call that? Delusions. There we go. Delusions. Exactly. She like loses contact with Jacob because Jacob becomes a werewolf and doesn't tell her and she thinks that he's involved deeply in gang activity on the reservation. Casual. More um, casual racism by Stephanie Meyer. One hundred percent exactly so now bella beller has a dependent <laughs> not what twice but the band closes to her which like great we're we're giving her so many issues already not relatable at all <laughs> parental abandonment to a relationship bigger guns anyway uh bella's mad and she's hiking through the woods by herself and she almost gets eaten by a vampire casually it's laurent from the old crew back with james whenever they were playing baseball he just so happened to come and find her in the woods great coincidence stephanie meyer great coincidence that is he's about to eat her all these giant wolves run out and save her and for some reason she doesn't make the connection between jacob in this pack of wolves that very clearly matches the number of the guys that he's been hanging out with. I mean, but would you? If my ex was a vampire, probably. I mean, that's fair. That's actually fair. In the universe, yes. In my life now, absolutely not. <laughs> I get you. I get it. Okay, so uh, then Bella finally does about the werewolves because she finally puts together that Jacob's already literally told her. On the beach, she literally told her. Back before he was a werewolf. I guess I remember, I understand why that's the only part of the story. You... The fact that that's a line that you remember. You <laughs> just quote the whole damn book. Well, more power to you. I always said good for you, but I'm not sure that it is. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you so much. Oh no, I'm I'm enjoying this. This is taking the pressure off of this uh, summary that I'm doing. Great to be amazing. Like I'm racking up over here, so please continue. Might not be the best summary, but it is funny. So a win is a win. A win is a win. Okay, so Bella's finally understanding what's going on with Jacob. They're having like they're reconciling with each other and like getting together yeah maggie's fanning themselves yep yep exactly and then bella decides to jump off a cliff where was jacob again was this wall they weren't talking he was hunting victoria he like was supposed to go with her then he was like i gotta go and then her dad was also gone and so she was like yeah, she can't handle being alone, which honestly, I feel her. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't jump off a cliff about it, but there were days whenever I might could have. <laughs> so yeah, Bella jumps off a cliff casually, casually. Right, and just about kills herself again. Um, Somebody had to come and find her, but she did get to hallucinate her hottie. So worth it. A win is a win. A win is a win. Exactly. And then Alice wherever the hell she is in the world, just, like, sees a vision of Bella jumping off a cliff. 
to her death and see who was it that told Edward? It wasn't Alice, it was Rosalie. That bitch, that bitch Rosalie was like, shit. And Edward was like, oh no, that's my fault. And what, what, what could possibly be the next step other than to kill myself? Fun little Romeo and Juliet spinoff. Great. It wasn't even like a good spinoff because she literally quotes Romeo and Juliet like throughout the book. Yeah, it's heavy handed. It's for sure heavy handed. Uh, Alice comes over to like console Charlie. <laughs> like, uh, okay. And especially in the movies, whenever they didn't even know each other that well, like at least in the books, Charlie like really liked Alice. But in the movies, what the fuck? Like, what if Alice is like, my brother's gonna go kill himself because he thought that you died. How did you live? And it turns out that Alice can't see werewolves in her visions. Very convenient. And Jacob, okay, this is the turning point for Jacob for me. He picks up the telephone when somebody calls, and it's literally Edward asking about Charlie. But <laughs> Jacob says he's at a funeral. Okay, to be fair, in the books, Jacob thought it was Carlisle. And Alice is the one that was like, no, it was Edward. And so, uh, to be fair, he was just answering the question, honestly, to Carlisle. I mean, sure. <laughs> sure. Okay, okay, okay. I'll get see. To know that Edward thinks Bella's dead. How is he supposed to know that? How would they? Why would they? The insinuation when you say at a funeral, you could just say he's out if it's somebody that doesn't know what's going on. Because that's a scary thing to just say out of nowhere. They didn't know that it was somebody from the reservation. I mean, but they didn't know it was Bella. You call my mom and my mom answers. She's like, and she says, Savannah's at a funeral. You're not like, oh my fucking God. What happened? You don't just angrily hang up. I have been to a lot of funerals, maybe. So I'm just like immune to the death factor. I would say that. Well, I would personally say that. And um, he was angry because it interrupted his about his family. He's like fucking leeches because. They, like, he's about to kiss her in the car, and then there was Alice. He's, like, about to kiss her always, and Victoria's there, and then he's about to kiss her then, and he thinks Carlisle calls. I think it's Edward. I don't know. I don't think it's malicious in the books because he doesn't think it's Edward. I, I feel like if he thought it was Edward, that would be one thing. Like, I would agree with you. But, like, thinking it's Carlisle, like, I don't know, you know? Okay, I can see. Okay, you that i'm sorry i had to argue that point like right there i totally understand the white flag white flag and not that one jacob's a dick after the like from here on but like i feel like that moment like i kind of get okay okay i feel that so bella's like i gotta go save him and it's not his fault that i jumped off of a cliff and he got the wrong idea about it um so she rushes with Alice to go save his mic because he has to see her. If he hears Alice thinking that she's alive, he's going to think it's a trick and rush into it before he can ca get caught in the trap, I guess. So 
Bella's running to him, catches him just in time, of course, and then they get escorted down into, like, the fucking vampire sewers to their secret government to go have a conversation about him not flashing his sparkles around (laughs) during busy days. Um, And basically, they come to the agreement that Edward can leave, but Bella has to become a vampire eventually, very... Just do it then. Why is it like her? Yeah, why did they just do it then? Put them up. They obviously have a lot of neat offices underneath. I'm sure you have a guest suite. 100%. They could literally let her stay there for the three days. Exactly, exactly. So, anyway, that doesn't happen. But they go home, and Bella the whole time is like so freaked out because she knows that he's going to disappear eventually because he's already proven that. And he is just absolutely shocked. That she thinks that. Yeah. Um, We'll get into that. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm never going to leave you again. And that's kind of the end of the movie, right? Or the book. Right? Yeah. I mean, does I miss her at the end of this book? Let me know. Eclipse, right? No. It's literally at the end. Oh, true, true, true. In the movie, right? Yeah. In the movie, we hear her gas. That gas. Everything. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Okay, so they get engaged. She finally concedes that she'll marry him? Um, she doesn't concede in this book, I don't think. Okay, so he tries to propose to her. Yeah. And honestly, I don't even... This is how long ago. Yeah. Hold on. Let me see. Yeah, I feel like he does propose to her. I mean, he proposed to her in the movie, at least. So... Okay, I definitely am on board. So, we'll see. Um, anyway... Uh, he prizes to her either at the end of this book or at the beginning of the next one. Right, right. And then cliffhanger. What's she gonna do? What's she gonna do? So. What a long-winded telling I just did. I tried to keep up. Well, I kept interrupting you, so. Well, yours was so methodical and good. I, I was just goofing. No, I think yours was great. I feel like you included details. I totally would have forgot. I, I'd be goofing and seeing what happens. Yeah. Just fuck around and find out. Fuck around to find out exactly. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. This time it was good. So hey. Love that. Love that. So like talking about Romeo and Juliet. Why does Edward literally just like like to watch her cry? They're watching the movie at the beginning of the book. They decide to like watch Romeo and Juliet together. And um he's like, I'm not even gonna watch. I'm just gonna watch you cry. Like, what? Like, he just enjoys watching her cry, and then he takes her, like, to the woods later and, like, watches her cry. Like, I think he just likes to watch her cry. Yeah, he's for sure got some sadist tendencies. I mean, we did not get Fifty Shades from nowhere. Okay, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Which, okay, so going back to the party then, because Edward just makes bad decisions, always. Watching her cry, like, is a bad emotional decision. But, like, let's talk about, like, the bad decisions of the birthday party. So, like, first of all, you're right. Like, they are always manipulating her. Alice and Edward takes her to this birthday party that she doesn't even want to go to, like you said. And, like, Alice is just like, you know, I'm going to force you to go anyway. Like, no matter what. Um, okay. Why do they raps? Like, I don't know. Why do they? She's clumsy. Like, yeah. why do they wrap stuff so that she could just cut herself? Like, I don't know. Like, so within a bag. I don't know. 
<laughs> something that you just like pop open like a gift card all year like or, you know you just pop those open i mean she is so incompetent that she can't do something that children do on christmas i mean but don't children like cut themselves on christmas Okay, I was laying in bed the other day, and I was reading a book on my phone, and all of a sudden, my finger started hurting. And I looked down, and I had a paper cut on my finger. And I don't understand how I got that paper cut. So, you know, I can see it. I can, I can see it. So, you're afflicted in the same way that Bella's afflicted? I think that's why I like her so much. Oh, dang. Oh, that's a controversial opinion. <laughs> um... Yeah, but at the birthday party, like, there had to have been another choice other than throwing Bella into a wall of glass. Like, in the portrayal of New Moon, like, you know, in the end, whenever he's, like, flipping her over his shoulder, whenever they're having this confrontation underground in Italy? Couldn't he have done that? He absolutely could have, and there was plenty of muscle in the room that was, like, not super effective at that point. I think that, like, and also it doesn't make continuity sense, like, it's a total plot hole, because, like, vampires think so quickly in this world. I mean, like, in the most worlds, I think. But, like, they think so quickly. He has, like, a thousand thoughts a minute or something, like, way more than us. He totally could have thought this through more than, I mean, like, he's not even, like, triggered by her blood, which also is kind of a plot hole. It's not like his, like, brain is in full thirst mode and he's not thinking. Like, I kind of would have gotten that. But, like, no. It literally just, like, he just doesn't think and throws her into a wall. It doesn't make any sense. He could have picked her up and ran. He's the fucking fastest one that there is. They talk about it all the goddamn time. You're literally so right. Don't sprinkle that in so much and then have it not play out. Like, it doesn't matter because, like, it didn't matter with James. It doesn't matter in this situation. Like, it doesn't matter ever. Like, why do you talk about it? It never matters. And they bring it up a couple times. It's... <laughs> yeah. Speaking of her getting hurt, um, where's Charlie's concern for this relationship? Like, she comes home with stitches. I'm sure this isn't the first time. Like, the Phoenix thing. And, like, I also just feel like they skip so much time in between, like, certain parts of these books and stuff. Like... I feel like Bella is probably constantly getting injured by Edward. Like, in real life, if you're dating a vampire and he hurts you, like, a couple of times, I feel like he's probably hurting you regularly. Right. I just want him to be concerned in general about the fact that she isolates herself to hang out only with this guy who she literally just met and can't stop thinking about. Yeah, like, I... uh, Minus a point for Charlie, like, I know I think he's super hot, but... He does need to get his head out of his ass a little bit with this relationship. I mean, he's a little bit better, like, after she gets hurt in Phoenix. But, like, still, like... The concern is not high enough for me, given the circumstances. Yeah. So, yeah, yikes. Speaking of Edward just being a bad boyfriend, like... I have never decided to take somebody in the woods, like, deep into the woods to dump them. He says it's not that deep. He's like, I left you in view of your house at some point or something. But, like, this is Bella we're talking about. Come on, that doesn't matter. Opening gifts wasn't safe. Let's not walk her into the woods and give her terrible news. Yeah, like, I mean, and there was, Charlie wasn't home. Um, Their house is supposedly, like, decently isolated in the books. Like, he could have taken her inside. He could have dumped her in the front yard. Like, 
you literally like it would have been so easy because there's like charlie wasn't home like why did he why did he have to take her into the woods to dump her like it does not make sense to me is that a midnight no no only twilight i have so many thoughts on midnight sun i think i think we're gonna have to do a pod let us know if you want a podcast on midnight sun i'm sorry savannah i make you read it well it's really bad we'll take the lord deep it's really bad so just let us know we don't we don't have to do this one because it's again really bad but if you guys want to know all the tea on their relationship like we have to do it so let us know let us know so yeah leaves her in the forest and then she starts disassociating but okay this is why i love the book and we'll get into that it's the disassociation but like trying recommends a therapist and i good idea they're so mad she gets so mad and i I sort of get it because, like, you can't tell a therapist that you had a vampire boyfriend. Slide to your therapist. I mean, I don't lie to my therapist, but you can lie to your therapist. There's a law against it. I'd be in there talking about his uh, emotional vampirisms. Exactly. And you can literally be like he's an energy vampire if you want. Like, that would be hilarious, honestly. Like, I would have such a fun time, like, making puns up for my therapist for her to not, like, understand. Like, I, you know, honestly. And she gets so mad. And I'm like, oh, hey, go to therapy. Like, I think a lot of us want parents who want to care about our mental health. I mean, my parents do. Thanks, guys. But um, I think that we, yeah. Anyway. So, like, she also just has a really fucked up warped perspective of this relationship because like not even when she's talking to other people but like when she's talking to herself she says the exact words i wrote this down because it's so wild to me that like in her inner monologue she says about the whole like him throwing her into a wall like about this situation of him literally throwing her into a wall she says so i fell down that was the story of my life she's gaslighting herself what a Virgo. I think he's tough. Maybe that's why I like Bella, because I like Virgos. That's true. You do like Virgos. If you didn't know, Savannah's a Virgo. Truthfully. Maybe that's why I hate Bella. Oh, man. Oh, well, okay. So the reason I love this book, so everybody hates this book. This is everybody's least favorite book. And other than Jacob, like, I mean, that alone would be the reason to love this book the most, because you get quality jacob time oh uh, but the other reason i really love this book is like out of all of the twilight books the reason this is my favorite probably is because i love the idea like her depiction of disassociation it's kind of the only good writing stephanie myers does is her depiction of bella disassociating i think it's and maybe that's just because i disassociated like what <laughs> can i I still do, but, like, I think this is, like, the only good writing in the whole series. I agree. I definitely agree. Whenever she's describing how it feels during the disassociation and, like, the hole in her chest. And then just, like, the blank months, like, all of it. All of it. That's, like, literally the best Stephanie Myers gets. It makes so much sense. It totally encapsulates the experience of disassociation and grief and like the intertwining of those experiences and while i think it's kind of dramatic the relationship sure i think it's 
great writing. It is. It's definitely the best writing of the whole thing. It made me feel like that was a good part of the book as well. Like, it wasn't my favorite at first reading it because it is kind of painful to <laughs> memories. Uh, but uh, it is good writing. Definitely good writing. Yeah. So, like, let's, again, back to Team Edward versus Team Jacob. Jacob, like, accepts Bella where she's at. I mean, he's literally, like, so cute. He's all taking notes, like, oh, you don't like music? Okay, cool. And, like, he just, like, remembers that shit. Like, it's cute, okay? God damn it. It's cute. And it's sweet. And he's not mean to her. I agree. I agree. I'm into that. I do think that he's a little bit indulgent of her, um, which isn't, isn't the healthiest whenever you know your friend is going through something and you're like, yeah, let's fix up motorcycles and uh, go cliff diving. I mean, he is there with, but he's, he's not a werewolf yet. He has no ability to protect her yet. That's true. Although he is starting to like allow stuff. Are you ruminating on him filling out? No. <laughs> no, not blushing right now either. One of the biggest things in the book is the the discrepancies between the phobias. Right? Okay. Yes. The blood phobia. How is it God. that Bella just having a prick, a little prick of blood in the first book? Not even her own. Not even her own. Sent her... Like, into a nearly fainting state. Because her phobia is so bad. And then, conveniently, a new moon. And there was blood. It's like, no biggie. Like, it was only a big deal because of Jasper earlier in the book. And now she wrecks her motorcycle eventually with uh, Jacob doing these bad things. And they bring it back up in Eclipse when she, like, cuts herself and she, like, puts her palm on, like, stuff. She's, like, holding her breath to not steal it. And so, like, you at least see her, like, trying to conquer her phobia. Whereas in New Moon, you're right. She's just like, I'm sorry for bleeding. Like, she's not, like, trying not to faint. At all. And there's, like, no recognition of it. Like, oh, I'm so out as in. Okay. I didn't think about this before. Talk about this. But she's disassociating. So maybe she's not even like, oh, I'm, I'm not saying Stephanie Meyer wrote it this way. It could totally be a plot hole uh, that she didn't. I'm sure it's unintentional. But like, it literally could be like she's super disassociative and she doesn't even like smell the blood because like she's not in her senses. Well, that's true. Cause she's like hallucinating at this point, right? Yeah, like she's completely delusional. So I will, I'll, 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 I actually know it. Wasn't gonna, I was gonna agree with you, but I can concede when I'm wrong. Again, I probably did not mean it that way, though, so it's kind of a point off. Just because we rationalize it doesn't mean it's good writing. That's so funny. So, Ella continues to be codependent. A codependent little bitch-ass bitch. Oh, of course. Because she's like, when Jacob disappears, as Jacob does, which is, I mean, kind of shitty. He knows that she has abandonment issues. He's turning into a dog at will. Like, or without, like, even willing to tell Billy to, like, be a little nicer or something. He could communicate that he was going through something a little bit more. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. It, and, and, like, not even necessarily by talking to her, because I know he has that, like, gag order. Like, he could kind of, like, tell Billy to be like, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm going through something, like, really hard right now. Right. I don't know. But anyway, she goes up to him and she's like, are 
you breaking up? If the, if you guys aren't dating, you don't want to date him. He deserves to date you or somebody better than you. Correct. But, like, you're not dating him. And, like, what? So out of love, too. I just, like, think that it's really silly. Like, she, at this point, she, she already is in love with him. And, like, she doesn't admit it for, like, a whole other book. But, like, she's already in love with him. And maybe it's a disassociation. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you're right, whatever. Whatever. Um, I just, it's, she's just, like, super codependent because, like, even just in a friendship, she's like, are you breaking up with me? Oh, yeah, for sure. She's definitely very needy in all of her relationships, probably, because of this abandonment stuff. But, yeah. you know, therapy, real option, real option. Yeah. We've read some good fan fictions about her, like, childhood. Oh, Lord. Yeah. It's so good ones. I'm telling you guys, the fan fictions are better. Get one of them published, and then we'll talk off the chemist about it. I honestly, I should. You could. You're, you're in that publishing world. I am. Okay, so the main conflict doesn't start till 75% of the way through this book. Uh, which I guess is better than the one before, but still, it's like, come on. It is. It's better. but And it's still a slow book. Like, again, I'll, I love I love this book because of the disassociation factor. But, like, it also means, again, nothing happens in this book. It's another book where nothing happens. Like, I feel like the whole series is, like, a slow burn all the way until, like, the main conflicts and Breaking Dawn and Eclipse. But, like, usually in other series, like, they have like other mini conflicts and then this one it feels like they're very like the, the mini conflicts are not really conflicts in yeah. my opinion in the first two books they just get resolved immediately yeah like doesn't feel conflicting to me i don't know i yeah right and one of the things i wanted to talk about was like towards the end after edward's comeback like bella's rescued him oh great he's back now and edward is just like Bitch, why are you freaking out and acting like I'm gonna just leave? Like, obviously, I wouldn't just do that. You didn't just do that. And, like, okay, he literally has been planning on doing this since Arizona. Right. He didn't bring up to it with her until, like, at her birthday's in September or something. So it's, like, September, October. So that's literally from spring break. Like, March, April until October. Like, you literally lied to her for, like, six months. And then dumped her in the woods traumatized her for months and okay i i give bella a lot of shit about like going into that disassociative phase after her relationship but also i will give her the fact that like no one knows that she was dating a vampire she can't talk to people about the whole situation and he literally took like everything and she doesn't really have a good family life like i'll be honest like she has some abandonment issues in her family and she, like, feels like she's a part of this family. She wants to be a part of this family for eternity. I mean, he's not agreed to it yet. But she wants to be a part of this family for eternity. Right. And feels like the rest of the family, except for Rosalie, agrees. And then all of a sudden, they're all gone without goodbye. Totally. Like, honestly, that's kind of traumatizing. Your whole family just, like, abandoning you all of a sudden. It's like, oh, should you be over this by yeah, like, it should be fine. Obviously, I lied when I said that I didn't love you. Obviously. Duh. Like, you should know this. So gaslighty. Yeah, very toxic. 
very you're absolutely right very toxic and this is what we idealize for teenagers like this is what we read this was like my first experience reading romance i would say and um this is what we got this was the thing that we were supposed to hope for and wish for explains a lot about my dating life it does my early dating life especially uh so is the book then bad for the teenage perspective on love and relationships you think yes absolutely 100% yeah sadly Uh um yeah (laughs) kind of sad that I read this book as a kid I, I I hate that this is now an obsession of mine too it's a part of the culture for our age group I feel like um all the memes all the memes it's a love-hate relationship, it truly is. Speaking about loving and hating, I am very excited for this segment that we're going to do called Sesh Fuck Kill. All right, so we're going to pick our characters that we would want to sesh with, want to fuck, and want to kill. This is my literal favorite segment. I'm really excited. We're going to do it. First time doing it, and it's already my favorite. It's going to be. I'm really excited. It's off of, um, clearly, if you didn't know, uh, Mary Fuck Kill, which is a game that everybody, I feel like, played as a kid. Um, so, or quote unquote kid. Yeah, like a teenager. Yeah, yeah. I thought I could say. Look at the, like, kids moving into college right behind me, oh, and I'm like, you guys are baby especially the freshmen well you baby was all right so who are you session with i am seshing with alice that is such a good answer because i feel like i can ask her anything i wanted about the future while i'm smoking and like that would be so cool i'd have so many fun questions or whatever um and i would definitely it's clear fuck jacob oh i think that read I hope everybody got that, especially in this part, like the new moon twilight or the twilight new moon world. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But who would I kill? I'm clearly I think this is another clear answer. I would kill Edward. He's a dickwad, a pedophilic dickwad. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, I would kill him. What about you? Um, I think that I would definitely sesh with Jasper. Imagine he's got that power. It's hardly ever mentioned in the book. But he has the power of, like, controlling emotions and, like, he would just really keep it chill, I think. So what if you and I could combine our sessions and then we sesh with Alice and Jasper? That would be the ultimate sesh. You and Alice and Jasper. I would love that sesh, but could we add Emmett because he's the person that I would fuck? Absolutely. What a big bear of a man. What a goofy big bear of a man. I... That sounds ideal. Um, and then, of course, yes, I would doubly kill Edward. Probably. Death. Yeah, double death to Edward. We need a button so that whenever we do the killing of the same character, we can hit it. And it just, like, goes off. Love it. Love it. So what would you rate uh, New Mood? Okay, it's, it's one above Twilight, I would say. I'm going to say three out of five. I would also say three out of five, but only because, yeah, it's fucking, fucking Jacob. And the fucking disassociation, like the the best writing in the book and you get more Jacob. So, duh. Okay, that's a good answer. I think that we're going to roll this into recording our bonus up 
for Eclipse and Breaking Dawn. That one will be a little less structured than this, like our real episode. Um, and it'll be on our Patreon. So I will include details about that. Oh, it's going to be really awesome. Sounds good. You can find us on Instagram at baked.and.bookish. Um, and we'd be super excited to hear from you, like, to give us next season suggestions, talk about the podcast, whatever. You can find us on Patreon. Um, we will also be next week reading Animal Farm. And we will have a special guest. We will have Dylan Crenshaw from My Hate Poetry Podcast. He is a good friend of mine and a hilarious comedian. So you'll definitely want to tune in for next week's episode on Animal Farm. And you can find my books and my Instagram and everything at Maggie.Writes on Instagram and TikTok. So I would love to have you. We have have a ton of poetry books out and a bunch of workshops and fun things going on. So definitely hit me up on there as well. We really appreciate you guys listening. Um, Subscribe to the podcast. Rate us if you enjoyed this episode. Let us know what you want more from us um, season, this season, next season, all the things. Totally. Definitely recommend books and anything their way. We're excited to be on this journey with you guys. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you have a great day. Bye.